We're here to realize Him. Jesus Christ sent apostles and teachers for this very purpose. Why does God call men like me, men like Michael, and men like other preachers to go around the world and preach the gospel to bring the truth of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is in us individually and corporately? Look at the corporate person of Christ and his church made up of many members might be brought into being and be made known. So God gives us apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers so that the corporate person of Christ and his church made up of many members might be brought into being and be made known. Guys, put that third slide up if you would, bud. So watch it. This is a quote from Oswald Chambers that we're going to read right here. We are not here to develop a spiritual life of our own or to enjoy a quiet spiritual retreat. We are here to have the full realization of Jesus Christ for the purpose of building His body. Jesus didn't die for you to be a better you. He didn't die so you'd spend the rest of your life making you better. He didn't die so the whole focus of your life, oh Lord, I need you to help me here, help me here, help me here, help me here. Oh Lord, I need that. Oh Lord, I need that. He didn't die just to be your candy machine. He died so that you could be reconciled to the Father and then be grafted into His body as a functioning member that causes Him to be magnified in the earth. Glory to God. Now watch this. So look at the second half. Look inside your outline. Here's the second half. Here's the question. Am I building up the body of Christ or am I only concerned with my own personal development? Wow. What's your prayer life like? Hey, Pastor, you're really meddling this morning. It's my job. Amen. I'm supposed to get up in your grill. I'm supposed to be in your kitchen. I'm supposed to flip your pans. Amen. Hallelujah. The question is, am I building up the body of Christ or am I only concerned about my own personal development? Get this. The essential thing is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that I may know Him. And if I know Him, then I knew who I know who I am in Him, and I'm ahead of myself. But Colossians 2 and verse 10 says that if I know who I am in Him, I am complete in Him. I don't have to be fixed. The moment I'm born again, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. His Spirit's placed on the inside of me. I'm a recipient of the divine nature. I'm a complete man in Christ. Amen. I don't have to fix completeness. What do you add to completeness? I told the men yesterday morning at breakfast, we need to quit being, trying to be what we already are. Most Christians spend their whole walk with God trying to be what they already are in Him. And the devil reminds you of who you were, and you need to tell him, that guy's dead. Quit reminding me about a dead guy. Number one, I'm not even mourning his death. I'm glad he's dead. He was stupid. He deserved to die. Are you doing all right? But the devil reminds you of your past only to rob you of your future. 
So that if he can keep you focused on your failure, what you did before you came to Christ, he keeps you from seeing who you are now complete in him. Because if you ever believe you're complete in him, then you believe you can do all the things that he's declared that he would do through your life. And you'll live for his glory. And you won't keep trying to fix yourself. Let me just put you like this. I love uh, Pastor Sue and I, uh, friends with Pastor Tim Delina, now pastoring the Times Square Church, which is David Wilkerson's old church. And she was listening to him this morning, and it's just so good because it tied right in with this. He says, you, how how many of you have ever seen that at construction zone? And there's all these warning signs, warning ahead, construction zone. That's your life in Christ, your construction zone. And you will be under construction. And what that is, you're going from who you were into the full realization of who you really are in Christ. So in order for that to happen, you have to deconstruct your mindset. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I can't think, I'm I'm under construction, I'm becoming new. Amen? And so I'm in this process, and so in the process, I accept the fact I'm in the process, but the reality is, I know what I'm destined to be. I'm complete in Him. I'm moving towards a full realization in living in the completeness that I already have in Him. Are you with me this morning? So important to get that. So let's finish what he said. He said, to fulfill God's perfect design for me requires my total surrender, complete abandonment of myself to Him. Whenever I only want things for myself, the relationship is distorted. And I will suffer great humiliations once I come to acknowledge and understand that I have not really been concerned about realizing Jesus Christ Himself, but only concerned with knowing what He has done for me. And I'm going to submit to you that the church has been made impotent and powerless Because you live in the society of the great individual. Everything that's happening in the world around you in current culture today is everything about individual identity. It's whether it is your political position, whether it is your gender, whether it is your race, whether it is your social position, your status, your, everything is about your individual identity and you getting your recognition for your individual identity. The only identity that there is in the body of Christ is Jesus. When you get saved, you no longer have your identity. Your identity is Him. You are a member of Him. He is not a member of you. We function to make Him complete in the earth, not me complete in the earth. Are we doing okay? Now I'm really preaching counterculture to church culture this morning. Because church culture has made about all kinds of other things and doing other things. And, and, and when you create uh, uh, structure in that, you get an organization and it has responsibilities and things and all that stuff. And so you get caught up trying to promote and keep that thing alive. But I found out if we just keep Jesus alive, everything else works. Amen? Just keep Him alive in the whole thing. So here's the last part. My goal is God Himself, not joy nor peace, nor even blessing, but himself my God. Am I measuring my life by this standard or by something else? 
If I just have Him, that's all I need. You see, Paul had the full realization of who Christ was to him. And once you have that full realization, it doesn't matter what circumstance you are in. We always marvel at the things that Paul went through. And here he is. He knew who Christ was to himself. And he says, I'm just continually. Look at what he said. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul said, I'm living to do one thing, just to know Jesus. Just to know him. And if I know him, then I know that he knows me. And if he knows me, he's aware of every situation in my life. God knows everything you need, everything you're going to face. You're not going to face anything that he's surprised by. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching like that? Because I have to get you free from yourself before I can release you to function in the body. If you never get free from your life and trying to fix your life and, and deal with everything around you, even as Chambers said, I shared it with the men the, yesterday morning and I know it's not popular and really I don't care. Because people are so caught up with their own personal family that your family is above your obedience to God. And so God can't use you to reach anybody else because your stipulation to be used by Him is He has to save your family first. And you're giving your whole life to get your family saved, but God can only, there's certain people that He can only reach through you. God moves two men through men. And He needs you to go someplace. And He needs you to be a witness for Him. And He needs you to be your, His hand extended and His voice declared to people around you. And so if you could just get to a place where you know that God loves you, He loves your family, He wants your kids saved more than you want them saved. God's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. And so, what? listen, the Bible says what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. So what if I made his plan happen? How many know he will make what I desire happen? I want my children to be saved. I want them to know God. I want them to spend eternity in heaven with me. God wants the same thing for your family. But he says, can you trust me and give me your family and let me be God to your children and take your place of being their Messiah? You cannot be the Messiah or the Savior of your children. You have to give them to God. That's why we did this last week. Some of you carry your kid. You carry every situation. And all those things belong to God. Give that stuff to God. Serve God. And let Him work it all out. Because if I don't, I call Him a liar. And I don't believe that He cares for me. And that He'll work His word for me. Amen. I just look at my kids. You're going to hell. You don't, uh, heaven, you don't get a choice in it. You will be with me in eternity. There's no choice. I don't even care what it looks like. It's, it's not a choice. Why? Because God said if I believe on him that my whole household would be saved. So I'm going, God, whatever you have to do, but you have to trust the God. To work in their life. You have to release them. If not, you're in there messing up. And God, just stand back let me know when you're done. And I'll get involved in that. That's every situation in your life. God, if you keep going on. I, I just started working on there. And then you came along and interrupted my whole plan. I'm preaching real good. And so you guys get over there in that. Instead of just leaving them to the Lord. My grandparent, Eli talked about his grandparent. My grandfather pastored for 56 years before he passed away. And I was not the perfect child. 
I, know, I hate to destroy your image of me. I was trouble personified. Amen. Amen. Stuff like this. In sixth grade, me and my friend and I, we, I think I told you before, we hitchhiked over to, from, from San Rafael. We hitchhiked to, over to San Francisco, went to Golden Gate Park, to a Grateful Dead concert, ran around over there all day, and then we walked back across the Golden Gate Bridge in sixth grade. Amen. My mom just happened to see me. My mom and my stepdad were coming back from San Francisco, and we were walking across the bridge. They saw us, so when I got home, we had a reckoning together. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but in that, so my mom would pray. And so with all that, that's how I ended up being a heroin addict at 19, all that stuff. I wasn't smart. And so my mom was praying for me. She prayed for me. She grieving over me. And finally, my grandma said, honey, you just have to give him to the Lord and trust God for him. So all those years up to that, so two years, I got saved at 25 so at 23, when I was 23, my mom finally gave me to the Lord. Two years later, I gave my life to the Lord and been serving God ever since. Tell me, you know, two years goes a lot faster than 23 years. Some of you have been 20 years praying for your kid. What would happen if you just finally just gave them to the Lord? And, and instead of complaining about them, whining about them in your prayer time with God, you want God because it's all focused on what you you back, back what Chambers said, everything is about you and what you want God to do for you. Instead of just saying, Father, I give you my family. You ask me to serve you with my life. You know, man, if any man did come to me and doesn't love me more than his father, his mother, his wife, his children, anybody else, he can't be my disciple. I'm saying yes to you with all that I am. I give you my family. I thank you, Father, you're working in their life. I thank you, Father, they're saved. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're working. What if you just started praising him for what he's doing in, his life, in their life instead of complaining about them not being saved yet? Oh, come on, you give a better amen than that. So watch it. So how do we get connected to what God wants us to do? Let me give you this, a little bit more of an introduction, and then over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to break this down. Look at your outline there. So if I get to the place, as Chambers says, where I just want to know Him, and I can trust Him with every area of my life, Things begin to change. So once that happens, now I can be really, now I'm released and I'm free to plug into the body of Christ and to function in my set place. To be what God has ordained me to be, to bring edification to the body as a whole. Amen. If we're coming in and needing, we're not called to come in and consume, we're called to come in and contribute. And when people get discouraged with church, it's because usually because it's not meeting their need. And you ask them, well, that's good, what do you contribute? There are people that go to church and never contribute any finances, but they want it to be cold in here when they come. They want that chair to be soft. They want the bathrooms to flush. They want paper in that thing. They want free coffee. So they're taking, but not 
There's nothing about taking in connection with the body of Christ. God so loved the world that He, His only begotten Son. Jesus said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down and I give it to you. So if there's no giving connected to my life, then there will be no receiving because you can only reap where you sow. And so if I'm bound in my finances, I'm bound in serving with my time, I don't, I don't, what? I don't have time to serve God. I don't have time to volunteer to the Lord. My time is on my own. I don't have any time to give to God. Doesn't matter what my gift, well, if you don't have any time to give to God in serving in some capacity in the body of Christ, then where does your gift function? If you have an organ in your body that says, I don't have any time to function for you to digest your food. How many know you're going to go to the doctor and try to get that thing to work? If you have an organ in your body that's not working, you go immediately to get the doctor to tell it to work. That's the way I pray for you guys. Jesus is the great physician. I said, your body has some members that aren't working. Whatever you need to prescribe, you need to get them things pumping again. <laughs> Amen? All right. So, but once I get that, so now if I'm a member of the body of Christ, then I have to understand that God works in me in a specific way that He's going to work in my life. So look at your outline with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, these verses here, we'll read some scripture. 12, 4 through 6 say this. There are diversities of gifts, but what? Now what? So watch that word gifts there is highlighted. There are diversities of what? Ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of what? Activities. But it's the same God who works all in all. So how many know you see the Trinity there, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Amen, working. So there's gifts, there's ministries, and there's activities. Okay? And that's a threefold function that happens in the body. I'll give it to you out of the Amplified Translation here. It says, now are distinctive varieties and distributions of endowments. Gifts, extraordinary powers, distinguishing certain Christians due to the power of divine grace operating in their souls by the Holy Spirit. So look up here just for a moment. So the Holy Spirit brings an endowment into your life. And people say, well, we don't need the Holy Spirit today. We have the Bible. Why would you give that up? Amen. So watch this. By the Holy Spirit, and they vary, but the Holy Spirit remains the same. Look at the next part. There are distinctive varieties of service and ministration, but it's the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive varieties of operation, working to accomplish things, but it is the same God who inspires and energizes them all. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a distinct purpose and operation in the body of Christ. What we do is we commingle all this together and create confusion, so we'll break it down. The word diversity there is diarius. It's from, uh, and, and it means a distinction, variety, or difference. So look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts, distributing to each one individually as He will. So when it comes to the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 
The Holy Spirit distributes those as He's will. Not the Lord, not Jesus, or not the Father. That's the Holy Spirit's purpose. So watch this. How many know the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit make up one? Okay? These three are one. So here are three distinct attributes of God, but they're working together as one. The same way that you and I are different, but we come together and we work as one. The body is one. Doing all right? And so the Holy Spirit is the one who causes the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. We'll break those down as we go forward. Look at the next verse here in Ephesians 4. It says, Therefore, he says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he, Jesus, led captivity captive and gave gifts, or doma, a pr- meaning a present to men. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The Amplified says it like this. And his gifts are varied. He himself, watch this, appointed and gave to us. He appointed and gave to us. So as your pastor, I'm a gift. The Lord put a gift in me, not for me, but so I could be given to you. The fivefold ministry is a gift that is given to people for God. So good. Amen. Some of, so he gave and gave gifts and gave men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries like Michael and Natasha, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. Amen. Now look at what Romans 12 says. It says this, for Paul saying, For I say to you through the grace given to me, look what Paul says, no, no, everybody look here, just, look, look what Paul says, I'm saying to you through the grace given to me. What I'm saying to you is by virtue that God has deposited a grace of ministry on the inside of me that I could come to you and bring this understanding to you. Are you doing all right? Through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself, what? More highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. The word function there is praxis, means activity, office, deeds, or work. We're not all called to do the same thing. So what? Having then gifts differently, differing according to the grace given to who? So Paul says, I'm operating according to the gift given to me, but every one of you, the moment you're saved and brought in the body of Christ, there's a deposit of grace put in your life that gives you function in the body. Glory to God. So look what he says. Let us use those gifts if... Prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Amen? So we've all been given by the grace of God the ability to be fully equipped by God to live a life that pleases Him and brings glory and honor to His name and to be, able to be, and to be able-bodied ministers of His grace to others, meaning that God has equipped each one of us 
to have purpose and function in the body of Christ being empowered by His grace working in us. Amen. Or in other words, it's in me for you. And for every one of you, that's why Paul says, I want to come to Rome that I might impart some spiritual gift to you and I might be encouraged by our mutual faith together and you would impart what God has put in you for me. Amen? Guys, put that next slide up if you would. Colossians chapter 2. Look at it. For in Him all the fullness of the, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are what? Complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. So look at that. Because believers are rooted in Him, alive in Him, hidden in Him, complete in Him, it is utterly consistent for them to live, inconsistent for them to live life without Him. We are clothed in His love, with His peace ruling in our heart, and they are equipped to make Christ first in every area of life. That is so good. Amen? So how do I live? Now I'm telling you, it's counterculture to your, how you're raised up. I talked to the men on Monday night and, and on Saturday morning. You live in a culture that makes you think about you. The hardest thing is to lose a me mentality. That's why it's so quiet in here this morning. Because you're constantly focused around yourself. And something has to, you just have to live for something larger. And I have, to, I have to believe that God's word is true. That if I sow my life, look at Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit it brings forth increase. But I can't bring forth kingdom increase without first dying to myself. And I can only die to myself if I can trust that I'm complete in Him. Amen? I have to trust that I'm complete in Him. That whatever He asks me to let go of, God never asks you to give without intending to bring back an increase into your life. Anything God asks you to get. Look, the disciples said this in Mark chapter 10. They said, Lord, after the rich young ruler, they said, Lord, we've forsaken everything to follow you. Listen to what Jesus said. No man has forsaken anything for me and for the kingdom, whether it is lands, houses, family, mothers, children, wife, anything. Nobody's forsaken anything for my sake and for the kingdom that it shall not be restored to him in this life 100-fold. And in the age to come, eternal life. But you live in a world that tells you if you sow, you lose. If you give, you lose. How are you going to get, how are you going to survive? How are you going to give without that? And so that keeps the body from edifying itself in love. Because Ephesians 4 says the whole body is jointly framed and fit together. It edifies itself in love by that which every joint supplies. And the devil will do anything to keep you from bringing your supply into the body of Christ. So all the arguments, think of all the arguments that you've heard, all the reasonings and all the rationale that people have for not being involved, for not contributing on any level. 
not just finances, but any level of their time, their gifts, their talents, their abilities. Amen? But what would happen if people said, hey, God is great. Whatever ability I have, God has graced me with this. Let me close with that. Let, let, look at the next page, and let's go through these other scriptures here. So watch it. We're j- just finished down here. So we have that grace. So look what it says. Each one has received a gift, even so what? Ephesians, uh, 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister to it, minister it to one another as good stewards and distributors of the manifold grace of God. Everybody look up here. Just be real bold. If you're born again, put both hands up. Okay? The moment you raise your hands, surrender the Lord, you just made yourself a funnel. Amen? And so what God's done, He's now poured His grace into your life. God's given to every person a grace, and you have a grace gift in your life to function in the body of Christ. You're a receiver of that. Amen? And so God's put something in you to make you function. He, didn't, he doesn't do it by that. And so when you take a, a spiritual gift test, it'll take you to Romans chapter 7, and it'll show, I mean Romans chapter 12, and it'll take you to the seven gifts that, that are functional gifts in the body of Christ. So let me read these three definitions to you of the gifts of God, and then we'll pick up on this some more next week. Is this all right? Hopefully we're growing. I, 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 this just is on my heart in this day. I told the men in this day, in this hour, there are so much, there, there, this is the hour of strong delusion. The Bible says in the last day, strong delusion will come. And what? And, I, and I've said it and, and behind all of it, I watch, watch what happened with COVID. COVID came and everybody got afraid to assemble. Over the common, really a common cold, a complicated, a, it, it is an engineered cold virus. Okay? Through gain of function in that, they, they took the cold virus, the COVID virus, which is the common cold, why there's no vaccine for it, that's why the vac doesn't work. There's no cure for the common cold. Hello? And so, but if you, if, if you intensify that thing, and so then people, but, but same thing, over 98% of the people recovered. But people were 100% afraid of being around somebody. Amen. Yes, and had, don't, don't mistake. It had side effect. Millions of people died. Everything about it was disastrous, but it was engineered by man and introduced by man because there is a conspiracy theorist in the earth. He's called Satan, the devil. He's a manipulator trying to take people to hell. He's in charge of government. He's the God of this world. It's not Republican, Democrat, this person, the eye on your dollar. It's not the Illuminati. It's not all that. It's the devil is the great conspirator. And so he introduces a virus, and then the next step at the end of the step of the virus is to get people to pull apart and separate, to have everybody be operating out of fear, not walking by faith, not believing if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. Not believing to be healthy, not believing anything else. There's times I've gone to pray for people who are sick. I said, I'll come and pray for you. And they say, Pastor, don't come over. I don't want you to get it. I'm not coming to get it. I'm coming to get rid of it. And so then what they do, they say, oh, you, you have to take the vaccine. Why do I have to take the vaccine? I don't need the vaccine. Who tested it? Who tried it? You take it first. We'll watch you. And then you have to give it to your children. And now we have young men, and they said, this vaccine increases heart failure and heart problem in young men six times. 
But bless God, you won't get a cold. And so we now have young men in their 20s and 30s and their teens who are falling dead of congestive heart failure. And if you trace them all back, almost every one of them took the vaccine. Are you doing all right? So what happened? So now people took the vaccine and then they separated and then you wore a mask even though a mask doesn't do anything. When Portia was here, I said, this is my response for a mask. If I smart fart and you can smell it, your mask isn't working. Because COVID is smaller than a fart. That, 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 that organism... Do you understand what I'm saying? But yet people were wearing a mask. There are still people today driving in their cars with masks on. And so then we say, you, you read it. Oh, how could they ever get anybody to receive the mark of the beast? Because they weren't going for, for, for immunity. They were going for compliance. Everything was done for not for herd immunity, but for herd compliance. So what did you see? You saw a devil bringing global compliance and people complying with mandate and taking vaccine. And if they say you're going to have to have this mark, you'll have to have that. You've now conditioned humanity. And so you're living in the day of great deception. And so if we don't understand what God created the church to be and we rise up and we break off all the shackles that keep us from assembling and ministering the grace that God has put in our life and edifying ourselves together, that's why the Bible says God shortens those days lest the very elect would be deceived. The worship team come back. Stand with me this morning. Well, no, don't stand yet. I have to finish these. I'm going to preach this morning. Amen. I've been going about 45 minutes. That's only half of the last movie you saw. But I just want to give you this. Now watch. I'm going to read these three definitions to you. And then we'll pick up next week. There are three primary areas of equipping in the body of Christ declared by Paul. Because three is the number of divine completion. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So look at Paul says. There are diversities of gifts. Diversities of, of, of ministry, diversities of activities. Three is the number of divine completion. We need all three of these areas functioning in the body of Christ and we need clarity of understanding on them. Amen? So there are nine gifts to the Spirit. The word for gifts there is charisma. It means a divine gratuity, especially a spiritual endowment, a religious qualification, miraculous faculty, or a free gift. Available and given to each one by the will of the Spirit. These come with being born again and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that this anointing will come upon your life. They are part of being endued with power and they work through us for the benefit of the other. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to benefit all. There are five ministry gifts. Not just yet, guys. Hold on. There are five ministry gifts. Administrations. Those ministry gifts mean administration and ministries of Christ. The word there for those gifts is diokonia. Attendance as a servant. Official service, especially of the Christian teacher or technically the diaconate. Ministering or an office. That is an office. The fivefold ministry gift is an office. I stand in the office of a pastor. 
but actually I'm a prophet teacher that's trying to be your pastor. That's why I say the things the way I do. I'm not a cuddly guy. I'm just going to say what God gives me to say. Amen. That's why a lot of people don't like me. I don't care. I'm a prophet. Amen. Because if I cared, I wouldn't say what he told me to say. Amen. I, I wouldn't say it. Or one pastor asked, say it yesterday, I heard him, Sammy Rodriguez was preaching and said this church has, hey, we'd like to talk to you about being in our church, but we need to tell you something, you know, we, we kind of lean to the left. And they asked him, said, which way do you lean? He says, I don't lean, I stand. Yeah. Amen? So there's an office that you are set in and that's what you live by. For me, I'm given to give my life for you, to lay down my life for you. I'm God's gift given to you. Amen. So watch this. So these are life calling gifts given by Christ to men for men to live and give their lives for the perfecting of the saints. That's the fivefold ministry of Christ. Thirdly, there are the seven gifts, grace gifts, which means operations and activities. That's of God, that's, and that word is energema. So you have charisma, diakonia, and energema. Those are the things mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 that we read. What does that mean? It is an effect, an operation, a working, to be active, efficient. These are the functional and personality gifts of God given by the Father to each and every individual, which gives us our place of purpose and function in the body of Christ. So every one of you operates in one of those seven. That's prophecy, ministry, serving, exhorting, giving, ruling, and leading and showing mercy. Amen. Janet and I tease about it all the time. Because when it comes, when I take the gift test, you and I test, I test 4% mercy. <laughs> Amen. But I test prophet teacher. Okay. Me, me, prophet teacher. And so... I live by this. God, I don't have much mercy, but by your grace, I need some right now. So God graces me in different situations to, be, to show mercy. Because what not, I, I, I'm gifted in a certain area, and I can't try to be what I'm not gifted to be. That's why some of you have the gift of mercy. And Janet's been working for us to be 25 years this year, and I tease her because she said, well, Pastor, I got 74% mercy. I said, you cheated. You lied. You lied. I've known you for 25 years. Amen. Amen. But so what? But but why? So we need. You need mercy gift. There are some of you, even when it comes to giving, we're all called to honor God with our resources. But there are some people that God gives to make finances and resources to really fund the kingdom of God and to cause things to go. And so you give with liberality and give cheerfully. Can you say Amen? But that doesn't mean we just leave all the giving up to them. But there's others that are, that, that, that are given to have hospitality in serving and ministering. So you know, we need all of that functioning together. Amen? And then lastly, number four, there are also the fourfold fruit, the, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. But that is not a gift, that's fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the gifts of the Spirit. How many know fruit is different from gifts? Fruit is what you receive inward. This is the nature, the divine nature of God. The moment you're born again, you receive the nature and the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you. And that's what God tries to work in you to get to come out of you. Stand with me this morning.
every Sunday when I preach, I always ask the Lord to help me do it different. But it always comes out as me. And so I listen to other people and say, Lord, I, I need to listen to them more and try to be like that. But then I go, if I did that, that wouldn't be me. Amen? And so, same thing with you. You need to be comfortable being you. Amen? And trust God knows you and he called you to be you. And he knows what he put inside of you. And he knows that we need what he put in you. <clears throat> I always live by this. I, I look at it and I go, God, <clears throat> if you knew me, how come you called me? If you know me, all my shortcomings, everything about me, but yet you still call me. And you still use me. So watch this. God's not that concerned about you then. He's not that concerned about us. He wants us to get to a place where we will just agree and bring our agreement with what He's declared over our life. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. Hold on just a little bit, guys. Father, this morning, it is your desire that we would be your body in the earth. The body of your Son, Jesus Christ, fully formed, fit together, knit together, being strengthened, edified, and built up by what every joint supplies. Lord, today I pray that somehow by your Spirit, you will cause the truth of your word to settle in each and every heart in this building today. And every person watching online, Father, to understand that they are needed in the body of Christ. That the grace you've placed in them is needed in your body for it to function, to be whole, to be strong, and to operate the way you ordained it. So, Father, today I pray your release over your people. Father, that whatever has hindered them, whatever has restricted them, whatever has caused them to feel separated, unimportant, not worthy, all of those lies, I break today in Jesus' name. And Father, I release the truth that you've graced every one of their lives to function and have purpose in your body. Father, I pray that they would know that you created them on purpose, for purpose, and gifted them to fulfill your purpose in Christ. So I thank you for release over their lives. And I'm going to do the altar call just like we did last week, but I'm going to obey what God said. Last week we cast our cares upon the Lord. And many of you came and we had lots of people come and put those cares in this trash can. Today, this is what I want you to do. Whatever has hindered you, 
whatever lie that's told you you're not worthy, whatever limitation that you have agreed with, that God can't use you for His glory, that you're not necessary, that you're not needed, that you're not... Whatever that is, if there's been any limitation or restriction, anything that's held you back from fully being released to function and to flow in God's gifts and abilities in your life in connecting with the body of Christ, I want you to give that to God today. I want you to come just write that on there. Just fear feeling inadequacy, whatever it may be, not knowing enough scripture, not doing, but all those things, what we say that, that are all focused on me and not on him. But today, I, I hope you can see yourself complete in him, know that he's gifted you, equipped you. And today I want you just to let that go the same way you cast your cares upon him. And even in that, if you're here today and without preaching, I don't know why God had me preach on children, but in that area, if that's been a burden that you're still carrying in your life, then I want you to just write your kid's name on that card and give them to God today and say, God, from this day on, I'm just going to praise you and I'm calling them saved in Jesus' name. And that's it. I'm not going to worry over them, fret over them, touch that thing. I'm just giving them to you in Jesus' name. So if you need to release your children, if you need to release any hindrance, then while they lead us in worship, you come write that thing down. Come on, let's determine to be the body of Christ in the earth. Amen? Hallelujah. And then one last thing, just before you come. If you're here today while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you say, Pastor Don, you're talking about all this, but as of yet, I've never given my life completely to the Lord. I believe in Jesus. I believe He's the Son of God. But as of yet, I've never fully said yes to Him with my life and told Him I will serve Him for the rest of my life. Today I know I need to give my life completely to Christ. While heads are bowed, raise your hand if that's you. I want to pray with you right now. Is that anybody in this room that needs to give your life to Christ? Thank you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Young lady, you pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You today that you love me so much you gave your son Jesus Christ to die for my sin today I believe that he died and he rose again and conquered death hell and the grave for me so I ask for your forgiveness I receive it and I declare that I will live for you and serve you the rest of my life. This is my life, and I give it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give God a good praise. Amen. Now, as they're leading, as they lead us in worship, anything you need to get cast off, anything you need to give over to God, just put it right here. This is God's trash can. He has to just come throw that thing away. Cast your care upon Him. Whatever hindrance that is, as they sing and they and, and lead it, you come and give that thing to God. Whether it's your children, whether it's a hindrance, an inadequacy, whatever it is, let that thing go. God does not give us inferiority complexes. He doesn't give us any complex. He gives us completely.